Thanks for joining me on this Cleveland Baseball Morning. The final from Progressive Field in Cleveland. It's the St. Louis Cardinals 2, the Cleveland Guardians 1. I'm Davey Barris, lifelong Cleveland baseball fan, and I want to talk about the actual game on the field, the thing I enjoy, watching baseball being played. And, man, in front of 32,000 people at Progressive Field, on national TV, the Cleveland Guardians do exactly what you would expect in that situation and put up an absolute clunker offensively against the St. Louis Cardinals. Just, I mean, an absolutely brutal game to to watch, to broadcast. I'm sure the Fox Network is like, why did we pick this game? Just, ah, oh God. Uh, we'll get into it. We'll get into the storylines and everything like that. But just again, venting at the top of this thing, man, man, they're a bad baseball team, man. They've been a really, really bad baseball team. And, uh, you know, they talked yesterday about getting, getting on a roll, right? Oh, is this win going to get us on a roll? And I, I told you, I, I didn't think they played like they were a team getting on a roll. And Bieber was like, oh, well, we'll see how we come out for the first few innings of the next game. And that'll that'll let us know if we're going to get on a roll. And they came out flat as can be. Yeah, they got a few base runners. Yeah, they, they sprinkled in some hits here and there. But it was never anything. They were never able to put a rally together. So many of the hits tonight came with... Uh, you know, two outs, and they just weren't able to get rallies going. When they finally have a chance for a rally, they get absolutely stymied uh, in the eighth inning. They just, oh, man. Yeah, they just could not put it together offensively. Uh, Nobody at the top of the order was hitting at the same time, even though you do end up with seven hits from your first four batters in your lineup. You think that would turn into something, including multiple doubles from your number two hitter. And it nothing, nothing. With runners in scoring position, they go, man, I'm in a grumpy mood tonight. They go two for 12 with runners in scoring position. I I, didn't, I wasn't sure how this was going to go when I hit record, and I, I feel myself getting more and more angry the more I'm thinking about this game. And they waste another good pitching performance. Tanner Bybee gives a fantastic start. At, at least the 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 you know the national TV people and the thirty two thousand plus that paid for attendance tonight can hang their hat on that. They saw Flaherty and Bybee go at it in uh, a pretty good pitchers duel, where Bybee was doing it with the strikeouts and Flaherty was doing it with inducing weak contact. Gave up seven hits, but only three hard hit balls the entire night. Bybee nine strikeouts over six innings. On 98 pitches. Only five hard hit balls himself on the night. But a solo home run in there. <sighs> this offense just... It, I can't begin to tell you how bad this offense is. OPS across Major League Baseball. I don't know if this is updated from today's game. Guardians are dead last in baseball in OPS at 634. Behind the Tigers at 663. Behind the Oakland Athletics at 656, we're 22 points lower in OPS than the Oakland Athletics. 
By the way, the St. Louis Cardinals, this is what makes this game so impressive and Bybee so impressive. They're sixth in all of baseball in team OPS. In runs scored. The St. Louis Cardinals are fifth in all of baseball with 268 runs scored. The Guardians are dead last at 174. That's right. The Cardinals have scored almost 100 more runs on the season than we have. The Athletics are at 188. The Tigers are at 189. So, yeah, you're, you've scored 14 less runs than the Oakland Athletics. Just something is not working offensively. I don't know what Vileka and Francona have to come up with, but, I mean, man, he even tries pinch-hitting Tyler Freeman, uh, you know, late in this game. Uh, for the catcher spot for Cam Gallagher, because Gallagher didn't give you anything. Uh, he's 0 for 2 with a strikeout. So what was that? The seventh inning, I believe. Yeah, Freeman comes in and you know hits a hits a decent line shot out to right field, but it goes for a flyout. And you know on the national broadcast, AJ Pruszynski. I mean, just clearly they don't pay attention to the Guardian season at all before they do these things and. Uh, he's like, well, you know, maybe he's going for some some pop. You know, maybe he's trying to find one swing in his bench that can give him a home run. Not Tyler Freeman. That's not why Tyler Freeman's going in. You know, he's going in to see if he can get a hit and spark a rally. Believe me, Tyler Freeman is not going in there to, you know, hit a late-inning heroic home run. Freeman will get his just like Brennan gets his, just like, you know, Quan gets his every now and then. He'll get a hold of one. It's going to happen. These guys are major league hitters. But Freeman is not going in there to hit a pinch hit home run off the bench. He's going in there to try to spark a rally. And that's how bad it was. He's, he literally pinch hits for the catcher's position in the seventh inning just to try to see if he can spark something. Oh, man. Uh, is there any other team stats I, I wanted to tell you about? Uh, I guess we could just look batting average balls in play. It's also even... Even if you take the strikeouts and the walks out of it, it's still, we're second worst in all of baseball. Somehow the Padres are tied with us for the worst in baseball, 266 bat bip. Uh, if you look at the historic numbers for the Cleveland franchise, we're getting near the bottom. Uh, as far as Team OPS goes, again, at 636, uh, we're tied with the 1905 Cleveland Naps at 636 OPS. 1905. Uh, 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9. Nine teams in franchise history have been worse than us when it comes to team OPS. When it comes to team batting average, are you ready for this? Are you ready for this? In 100 plus years, 120 plus years, of Cleveland baseball, this team, the 2023 Cleveland Guardians, in the year that they banned the shift and made the bases bigger and did everything they can to create more offense, that team, with those advantages, has the worst batting average, the worst team batting average in franchise history. History at 225. Behind the 2020 team that won the AL Central 
in uh, or, or the wild card. Sorry, made the playoffs as a wild card uh, in 2020 with a 228 batting average. That rode Shane Bieber in a Cy Young Award to a playoff berth where they got destroyed by the Yankees. So yeah, the worst batting average. You can't, you can't in 20, 2020s be having the worst batting averages in franchise history. The game has done everything it can to create more offense, and yet you're failing to find it. So, uh, all right, let's get into some specifics. Let's get into the storylines of this game. And, you know, the storyline is Bybee against Flaherty. Again, how did they get it done? Well, Flaherty was getting it done with weak contact. Going to the player breakdown page, uh, you know, he only has six whiffs on 43 swings. That's it. A 14% whiff rate. They put 24 balls in play. And he did have 18 called strikes. You know, that helps. Uh, it's a 24% CSW, but exit, average exit velocity off his four-seam fastball, 81. Off his knuckle curve, 82. Off his slider, 89. Off his change, 83. So, yeah, I mean, even they're making contact, and off his cutter, one they put in play at 82. 82.4 average exit velocity off all his pitches. That's I you love to see that as a pitcher. Are you telling me not one, not one pitch got hit hard on the night? Uh, you know, average exit velocity of 95 plus. I think Flaherty will sign up for that every every day of the week. So that's how he's getting it done. Meanwhile, on the other side, Bybee is getting the whiffs. Oh my god, 19 whiffs on 45 swings. It's a 42% whiff rate. For Tanner Bybee against what we said. Remember, we established St. Louis has a top five, top six offense in baseball. And Bybee was making them look silly out there, especially with the changeup. Nine whiffs on 13 swings on his changeup. And it's mostly the lefties. It's good for a 69% whiff rate. Add in three called strikes. It's a 71% CSW on that pitch. On his changeup. Remember, we told you, if you're in the 30s, you're good. If you're cracked 40, you're elite. I don't know what 71 is. A 71% CSW on that pitch. That's wild. Wild stuff there. He adds in six whiffs on the slider. It had a 43% whiff rate. He adds in four on the fastball. It had a 25% whiff rate. It's a 42% whiff rate total on the day. Add in 19 called strikes. It's a 39% CSW total on the day. Uh, Yeah, uh, that changeup. Let's see. They went outside. They swung outside the zone uh, 67% of the time. They have an O-swing with a 0% contact rate. So, yeah, they were chasing that changeup just a little bit from Tanner Bybee. Going back to the illustrator here, uh, again, looking at those swings and miss pitches for Tanner Bybee because I, I ain't going to talk about the offense. I'm, I'm, It's all about pitching for me in this game. I'm going to continue to find things I like in these games. And Bybee was definitely something worth talking about here. So, again, uh, looking at the left-handed batters, you know, I see a mix. When I looked at the swing and miss, uh, swinging strikes, I saw a mix of change-ups and sliders, and I just had a hunch that, and I was right, against those lefties, 
most of those changeups are staying away from those lefties. Uh, keeping it away against Gorman, against Newtbar. Then uh, he did throw a couple sliders inside uh, to Tommy Edmond, uh, specifically to Tommy Edmond in the third inning and the fifth inning. He went after him with sliders and uh, two fastballs as well uh, to those left-handed batters. To the right-handed batters, it is the sliders. Uh, one changeup that he actually threw down and away to the glove side to uh, Goldschmidt on an 0-0 count that he got him to swing through to start the at-bat in the sixth. And then it's mostly sliders uh, to Arenado, uh, Young, uh, Goldschmidt, all expanding the strike zone, going down, chasing sliders. Uh, so that's uh, that's your combination from Tanner Bybee. And one fastball at the top of the zone that Contreras chased on an 0-2 count. Uh, so, yeah, uh, it's impressive. It is a really impressive start to have that good a swing and miss stuff. And it just goes to show, uh, you know, being aggressive, attacking the strike zone with all your pitches, it really uh, puts the hitters in a tough situation. I mean, he was pretty much lighting up the strike zone with sliders, changeups, and fastballs. Uh, let's see how many. Uh, through uh, 98 pitches, he threw 64 strikes. So uh, pretty good stuff right there from Bybee. Uh, the last thing I want to look at from him here, looking at the count breakdown for Tanner Bybee, it looks like uh, 12 batters he started out 0-1 against. Uh, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9 batters. Uh, started out 1-0, so did start ahead of more batters than he fell behind. But then, even if he started out 1-0, he got it back to a 1-1 count and got the count back in his favor pretty much all night. Three batters made it to 2-0 against him. Nobody makes it to 3-0. Uh, one batter makes it to 3-1. But yeah, working down that left side, a ton of batters end up in a 1-2 count. Whether they started 0-1 or 1-0, they always ended up back at a 1-2 count pretty often against them on this night. So definitely working ahead of those hitters. Uh, Flaherty was a little different. It looked like it was a little more even the right side of the chart versus the left side of the chart. Remember, the left side of the chart, if you're not looking at StatCast while you're listening to this, and I don't expect you are, the left side of the chart are your 0-1 counts, your 0-2 counts, your 1-2 counts, and, and moving down to the bottom where it's a full count. And then the right side is your 1-0, your 2-0, your 3-0 counts moving down to a full count on the right side with 1-1 and and 2-1 and in the middle. So that's what the count breakdown kind of looks like. So when I say working down the left side of the chart, I mean working ahead of the hitters. A lot of pitchers counts, uh, which allows them to get those swings and misses, allows them to expand that strike zone, whether it's the changeup, whether it's the slider to the uh, righties or the changeup to the lefties. So excellent stuff from Bybee. Unfortunately, he can't pitch a complete game. He gives you six great innings, but somebody else is going to have to get it in. And that's where this game gets interesting. So he does give up a, uh, a home run on this one. Uh, Bybee does, which uh, gave the uh, gave the uh, St. Louis Cardinals a, uh, a one nothing lead in the second inning. Uh, it was a slider breaking in on the lefty Donovan. Uh, he hits at 96.6 mile per hour exit velocity to right field on a 2-2 count in the second inning. 
and puts it into the seats out there. There was definitely set up to be a slider, like a backdoor slider down and away, and he misses with it in, and Donovan makes him pay. So that's how they get their run. We tie it up in the bottom of the third. Uh, Flaherty actually helps Quan out a lot here. Uh, a walk to kick off, or not to kick off the third inning. I'm sorry. A walk with one out in the third inning after Rosario would fly out. Quan moves up at some point on a uh, wild pitch by Flaherty, and uh, Ramirez is able to bloop one into right field and drive him in to tie the game. All right, so that's the situation. We got a tie game here. And uh, we get into the seventh inning, and oh my God, does Karen check implode? I mean, absolutely 16 pitches, only four strikes. He ends up walking three batters in a row in the seventh inning. And people were joking on Twitter. I mean, people were roasting him on Guardians Twitter, you know? Uh, basically, Karen check couldn't come into a high leverage situation, so he had to create his own high leverage situation. So he walks Arenado, he walks Contreras, he walks Brendan Donovan, and now they've got to go get Sam Henches out of the bullpen, and he's got to face the bottom of their lineup at least, thank God. Uh, so he starts off against Paul Young, gets him to uh, line out uh, to shallow right field. Brennan comes charging in and is able to make a catch and throw on the run. It holds Arenado at third base. Uh, it's kind of the perfect situation for an outfielder to be moving in like that, have all your momentum going forward, and to be able to uncrank a throw home. Uh, that's exactly what you want as an outfielder. You know, I th- I think about those things all the time when I'm out there. Even though it's just old man softball, I think about those things all the time. Like, come on, set me up. Give me, I call it popcorn. Give me a little popcorn out there. Pop one up. Let me get under it and get my momentum going forward so I can crank off a throw. Like, that's... That's the kind of ball you wait for out there in the outfield in when, you know, it's a runners on base situation because there's times as an outfielder where, you know, they hit one, you know, even if you make the catch, like if it's in the alley, if you have to go back on it and you know, at, at best, all you're doing is just getting the ball back to the infield so they can move up one base. But there's times in the outfield where you, you know, like, darn, I, there's no way I can turn and make a throw like this, right? So, so you'll love when you get these. Uh, I'm sure Brennan appreciated it. So DeYoung with the line out. Yepes comes in and uh, pinch hits uh, in this one. And uh, he comes in for Burlinson, uh, the left fielder. And he strikes him out. Uh, huge strikeout for uh, Sam Henches. Let's go to this at bat right here. Because uh, it is impressive stuff from Henches. Uh Throws him just a ton of curveballs. My God. Uh, curveball for a call. Strike. I like that first pitch. Curveball just dropping in there. Throws him another one breaking down and in that he fouls off. Throws him one in the dirt that he lets go. It's a you know one-two count now. Throws him a slider in the dirt. That was a waste pitch. Uh, makes it a two-two count. Comes back with another curveball in the zone to reestablish it. He fouls it off. And then, boom, 90 6.9, we'll just call it a 97-mile-per-hour fastball right on the black on the outside edge of the plate and rings him up for a called strike three. Whew, I love that. I like how he's using all those weapons right there for Sam Henches. And then uh, it brings up uh, Tommy Edmond after that, 
and he's going to ground into a force out. A, a weird play where the runner uh, was a Donovan uh, came charging into second base. Uh, you know, they were trying to discuss afterwards what Donovan's plan was because uh, Rosario fields it, fire, flips it to second to get the force out. But Donovan, like, trips over Jimenez's foot going across the bag. He made no attempt to slide. He, he was going in as fast as he could to the base. There was no way he was ever going to be able to stop and hold the bag. So they were speculating that the plan was, like, if I can beat this thing out, the run scores before I'm called out. Basically, like, can I get one run home? I Who knows if that was actually the plan or if he just didn't slide. Because he knew he was going to be out and uh, ends up tripping over Jimenez's foot in the middle of the bag. So, uh, yeah, Henches gets out of it. And then even sticks around and pitches a 1-2-3 uh, eighth inning. Uh, going back over to the scoreboard here. Even in the eighth inning, he sticks around and gets Newt to ground out. He strikes out Goldschmidt and he gets Gorman to ground out. So Henches just absolutely putting in the work in this one. Uh, let's go over to those uh, CSW numbers. Let's see what was working for him uh, on this one. Uh, that Not a lot of whiff from Sam Henches. Uh, not a lot of whiff, but a lot of called strikes with that. F- uh, five called strikes. Okay. Uh, mostly on that four-seam fastball. Uh, they did not touch one of his fastballs. or they? Uh, yeah, they didn't put one in play. So uh, that's good. Uh, that's pretty good stuff from Sam Henches. Uh, getting him to hit the curveball and the uh, the sinker and the slider instead of that fastball. Um, all right, so that's how Sam Hanches was getting it done. Uh, nine curveballs, seven fastballs, four sinkers, and three sliders. So using that curveball a lot. I still say it. I still say Sam Hanches could could be Andrew Miller, an Andrew Miller level reliever. I I think the the pitches are there. I think the talent's there. I think he's got to put it all together, and the last thing he has to do is add that that nasty streak. I mean, you kind of have to be a mean guy to come out of the bullpen, and Andrew Miller definitely had that. I'm sure. I'm sure not in uh, not on the pitching mound. Andrew Miller was a nice guy. Who knows? I assume he's a nice guy. Uh, I feel like from interviews and things we've seen him do, he seems like a decent dude. But uh, Henches still seems. <laughs> too much like a nice guy out on that mound. I maybe it's different for the batters. I don't know. We'd have to interview the batters that are facing him. But just for you know, from the TV angles and stuff like that, uh I he just doesn't seem as scary as it did when Andrew Miller came out on the mound and that you know, if Andrew Miller was coming into this game in the 7th inning, right? It's it's like that scene in the movie where it's like, "Oh no." And, you know, every baseball movie has that scene where the villain team goes to the bullpen. And you're like, oh, no, not this guy. And I don't think Henches is quite there yet. He's not as not as dramatic as Andrew Miller was when he came into the game. So that's the, that's the last little element that Henches will have to put. That's the, the cherry on top that he'll have to put on his game once everything else is like fully, fully locked into place. Uh, but he's getting close. He, he's getting close. He's still working on it. Uh, but he does a great job in this one. Uh, in fact, the, the whole bullpen does a good job in this one. You know, De Los Santos comes in and pitches the uh, ninth inning, gets a fly out, ground out, ground out, and then uh, 
they uh, they go to Sandlin in the uh, 10th inning. And yeah, he's got to work with that runner on second. And uh, the runner moves up uh, on a ground out. Uh, he ends up walking Mercado. The run comes across the score on a pass ball. They called a pass ball. I believe they did. Uh, yeah, a pass ball on Fry. Something he probably should have blocked, knocked down at least. And that runner from third comes in to score. So it's an unearned run that comes in. Frankly, Sandlin was handling it like he he was. He, he gets Edmund to hit into a force out. And Newt Bar strikes out. Uh, so he was handling it in the 10th inning. It's just that pass ball lets that run come in. But, I mean, it's so hard to prevent that run from scoring in the 10th inning anyways. That even if they were able to manufacture that run to come in, I still wouldn't blame Sandlin. It's a terrible position for a relief pitcher to be put in. And then we can't do anything in the top of the 10th. Because when a runner was on base, our offense just dried up. So Rosario flies out. Uh, Jose Ramirez flies out. And uh, Arias with a ground ball. Nobody hits one hard in the 10th inning. Arias, I think, grounded out on the first pitch. And uh, yeah, the offense goes quietly into the night. Uh, uh, Gallegos is known apparently for his slider. And he uh, he threw a ton of them. Uh, Ahmed Rosario was first pitch swinging on a slider. Uh, Jose, after going down 0-2, uh, has to expand his zone and tries tries punching a, a fastball, a high fastball out into left field but flies out to Donovan. Um, you know, if Ramirez actually squares that up a little more and, and maybe hits that on more of a line, it was a 43-degree launch angle. Uh, if he brings that launch angle down, we're we're probably saying it's a good at bat from Ramirez, you know, going the other way, uh, you know, battling off in an 0-2 count and going the other way with it. But unfortunately, he flies out and Arias goes after a first pitch slider. It was right down the middle. Uh, he just hits it at a negative 36 degree launch angle. He just chops it to first base. And uh, again, the offense, I just. It's so fr- I mean, how many words can you say that all mean the same thing? Bad. The offense was just bad. So that's all my thoughts on this one. Uh it's it's a really rough thing for I feel like every time we pack the house, every time the city of Cleveland gets up for you, Guardians, you disappoint us. Like you wonder why this isn't a baseball town sometimes. And uh I think it is. I, th- I think in the you know in, in the heart of hearts, most Clevelanders believe in this baseball team and want this baseball team in town and love having Guardians baseball during the summer. But when we show up like this, could you at least give us something to be excited about? Could you at least do better than two for twelve with runners in scoring position? You got on base. The top of the order was getting on base. That wasn't the problem. Eight hits is de- It's a decent showing. Just somebody needed to do something with a runner in scoring position. So they let down 32,000, and uh, and they let us down, the morning people, the diehards that uh, tune in way more than we should. Uh, They let us down, and they let down Tanner Bybee, who had an amazing start, and they let down this bullpen, uh, who did a fantastic job of giving the offense every chance to take the lead and win this game. So MVP on the day, uh, oh, 
Ooh, Henches and Bybee are both so good. Uh, okay, here's the thing. Bybee's start was fantastic. But most valuable player in the game, like, if we go with, like, who pitched in the most high-leverage situation, and, you know, going over to, I don't use this often, but uh, they have the win probability leaders, uh, and Sam Henches was the highest win probability added leader on the day at a 44.5 plus win probability added. Uh, so I think I got to go with Henches as MVP on the day. I mean, look, take nothing away from Bybee. Great start. But Henches, Henches stepped up. He stepped up big in this one. So for the two, and he gave you an extra inning. Not only did he get out of the seventh, but he gave you an extra inning of relief and didn't give up a, he didn't give up a base runner. So really impressive stuff from Henches. He's taking home MVP of the day. Again, when I'm giving MVP of the day to middle relievers, it's not a good sign. I, I'm going to respect the game. I'm going to respect their game, but not a good sign for this baseball team. All right, that's all my thoughts. Thanks for joining me on this Cleveland baseball morning. Again, the final, it's the Cardinals 2, the Guardians 1. Still have a chance to win the series for what that's worth at this point in the season. So uh, we'll see what they can do if they can come out Sunday. Uh, they'll be facing Montgomery, a left-handed pitcher. And they got Gaddis going on the mound, who, hey, Gaddis was good last time he was out there. So we'll see what he can do in his second start since being recalled. Uh, that's all my thoughts. You can follow me on Twitter at Davey Barris. You can email the show at clevelandbaseballmornings at gmail.com. Let me know your thoughts on the game, and we'll discuss them on the show. Also, I'm hosting this podcast on Spotify. If you go to the link in the show notes, you can leave a voicemail for the show. We'll play it back on the air, respond to your thoughts, and we'll have a fun conversation amongst the fans about baseball. So thanks again for joining me on this Cleveland Baseball Morning.